Welcome to season three of Bend the Podcast. Conversations to spark creativity, challenge beliefs, and disrupt what it means to be well. I'm Lillian. And I'm Deb. This season, we have some former guests sitting in the co-host chair. They're going to help expand our perspectives. Listen for some familiar voices. Our podcast is recorded on the unsurrendered and traditional territories of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people. We're really happy you're here today. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Ben the Podcast. We're really happy that you're joining the conversation with us today. Joining us today is a woman we're really excited to talk to. Nancy Mike works as a research associate in family and community health in Akalawit, Nunavut. She is originally from Pognaktu, Nunavut, and she's joining us today all the way from Akalawit. So welcome, Nancy. Thank you. Ilali, we're really happy that you're here today. Um, tell us what the weather's like in Akali. I'm always interested in what the weather is like there. What's what's going on there today? It's been strangely warm this year, so we don't have a lot of snow, but it's getting colder. It's about minus 10 right now. Maybe mm. it feels more like minus 15 with the wind chill. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost, I, I know down in the south here and my, my experiences in the north as well, it always seems warmer once the snow comes in some ways. There's just something different when there's snow for me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's true. I think it creates that warm feeling too, like mm-hmm. just snow and how white it is and mm-hmm. beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been, I mean, we're not going to focus on climate change today, but there have been so many conversations recently given what's happening around the planet and the, the summit that just happened just about climate change. And I know in, in the North, it is very visible, hey? Yeah, very much. Like the ice is finally freezing over a little bit. Um, and like normally growing up Halloween, we, we would be trick-or-treating in the snow or there'd be ice. And this year we, we don't even have any. So it's, wow. it's a different year for us and it's very, you know, a lot of hunters who uh, who spend most of their time on the land uh, notice all these changes very well, and some of them have commented how it's it's definitely not usual for us to have this weather. Mm-hmm, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a much larger conversation. But yeah, I think you can't. I can't not talk about it because it's as you what you just said, and just given the context of the world right now, for sure. All right, big breath after that heavy load to start. <laughs> How about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I, I grew up in Pannaktuk, which is about 50 minutes plane ride from Ikhaluit. Ikhaluit is the capital city of Nunavut. And I, after school, I decided to work as a reg- registered nurse. So I did that for a few years until I realized, you know, having young children and working 12 hour shifts was not a thing for me. So I decided to get into uh, research. So I work as a research associate for family and community health, mainly focusing on uh, child rearing um, and programming. So it's it's very much program-based community health research, but it's something I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Um, and it sounds like, you know, your, your background in, in nursing would really inform a lot of that. It would be really, you'd bring a lot to that, that research, hey? Yeah, it's been interesting. Like, you know, nursing, I find it's 
a lot more hands-on, which I miss, but (laughs) uh, research, community health research has been really nice to connect with community members and families and children, uh, individuals who are looking to, whether it's, you know, gaining skills in their parenting or gaining skills in innate knowledge. uh, That's been really, really awesome. And also I incorporate some art into another project. Uh, So we do sexual health training or teaching, I guess, healthy relationships through art. Uh, So we do a bit of like body mapping, uh, brainstorming, you know, what it's like to love or what it's like to be in a healthy relationship, that sort of thing. So it's, it's really rewarding. Wow, I, I want to dig in a little bit more there. That sounds really fascinating. I love anything through art, right? I, I love I love those kind of approaches. Um, how did that project come to be? It actually was started by um, our executive, like scientific director, Gwen Healy along with an artist who actually just won the Sobe Art mm-hmm. Award, Black mm-hmm. Luke Williamson Bathory. Mm-hmm. And she, she does um, Greenlandic mass dancing uh, while telling stories of Inuit sexuality. So a lot of our stories have some, some sort of sexuality in, in, in integrated into the stories as a teaching. So when they started this up, um, it was geared towards youth uh, to teach them about sexuality. That's not in the context of say, a nurse coming in with condoms or you know that sort of thing um so the way it runs is like it's it's more activity based so we do pastel art or sometimes we'll do theater work uh storytelling uh it's it's quite interesting because youth tend to like stay quiet when we first start and then once we start doing artwork then they're expressive like expressions or ways of expressing uh, come out through the artwork. So it's it's very satisfying and also, I think, very effective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, I think any youth, um, I can't speak for any youth, however, I think with any young people, when you're trying to teach them something, you know, when you're standing there teaching them, as you say, teaching them how to use condoms or that's I don't know, that's activity-based stuff is so much better, right? Mm-hmm. It just opens up whole different parts of, of people, I think, mm-hmm. in my experience. And I imagine just, it's not, as you describe it, it mm-hmm. sounds like it's a powerful experience for kids. Yeah, and, and we all have, you know, our creative sides, whether it's, you know, art or music or storytelling or any, anything, and it's, it's a great tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. creates a more embodied experience right when you kind of feel the experience of something instead of just you know cognitively being told or cognitively learning learning about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you observe a lot more I think when you're given the opportunity to express um, openly without really having boundaries or set strict rules you know it's yeah. it's it's very much open and I think that's what, like as humans, we we love expressing when when we're given that safe space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I completely agree. And sometimes mm-hmm. people never experience that or rarely experience that. So that sounds like really really cool work. Do you travel around much in your work? You must to different communities. 
Yeah, we actually just did this, uh, the sexual health and healthy relationships training in Happy Valley Goose Bay. And that was our first time leaving or doing it outside of Nunavut uh, and doing it in Nunatsiavut or Labrador in Newfoundland and Labrador. So <clears throat> we do travel quite often. Um, we've we've been to several places around Nunavut. And sometimes we also do some, you know, training in Ottawa when it's when there's enough interest. Uh, so it depends really on on when people reach reach out to us. Um, then we look at our options and see see what we can do. Of course, of course, that's very cool. Um, I wanna I wanna share with our listeners. You know, the I want you to talk about your creative process. Have you always been a creative person? You certainly come for people who don't know. I mean, so many Inuit communities are are creative. There's lots of creativity and art happening, but Pangnaktu is particularly creative, right? So, have you always been creative and where did those, where were those roots planted? Maybe I just answered part of that question, but I want to hear from you. <laughs> I think that growing up, uh, you know, in Nunavut, I grew up with a father who was a full-time hunter, unilingual, Inuktitut speaking, who loved being on the land. And so, so much of our, you know, upbringing was being out on the land camping or hunting and that sort of thing. And so, when when we're kids I found that my creativity always came out when we're on the land and I have to kind of figure out ways to have fun and we didn't bring toys with us obviously because it's it's too much and my dad wouldn't allow me to mm-hmm. <laughs> um, bring too too much luggage or whatnot um, and so with my siblings I often you know played on the land and figuring out it you know, things to play with like rocks and that sort of thing. It's, it sounds very simple, but that's, I think that's where my creative side first came about. But, um, and at home, my dad often told bedtime stories, uh, old Inuit legend stories. And that's where storytelling and my imagination kind of like, Mm. I guess, bloomed um, through that. But Along with that, like in school, for example, I absolutely love, you know, being creative, doing artwork. Um, and then later on, I, des- I decided that music is something I enjoy as well. So I've, I've played the button accordion since I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played in a band uh, for several years. And then more recently, I'm really into doing painting uh visual arts and I do I've always done sewing in my life as it's it's a part of our living Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically our lifestyle because we have to stay warm so we I make garments out of seal skin and uh, warm clothing for my kids that sort of thing so it's 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 a lot of fun (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I saw that you made a tent this summer yeah that's I made a canvas tent and it was more of a traditional style um, and it's it kept us warm and you know cozy this summer my girls loved it we were right by the silver grinnell river so yeah it was it was lovely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how um you know where do you find your what feeds your creativity now you know you talk about those maybe and maybe it's still some of those memories and that ex- foundational stuff going out on the land with your family what maybe yeah what what feeds your creativity now 
I think that being older, um, you know, having gone through a lot in life and having, you know, I find being in Nunavut, grief is such a huge thing. I don't know if it's like that for every human being or not, but I'm, fi I'm finding that our community um, is so close knit together that family, it, it, family isn't just, you know, your mom and dad and your siblings, it's family is, you know, most of the community, like it's, it's and I think once, when you have such a big community or family, it, you're, you're more likely to grieve uh, or experience loss. Uh, and so with that um, experience in my life, grieving and losing siblings due to suicide, for example, suicide is so common here. It's, it's, it's almost even normal for me. It's, it's really strange um, to, to think about it as something that's normal in my life. Um, that has happened so often in, in since I was, you know, preteen. So I think having these um, losses in my life has made me have to figure out like how to heal. And when when I when I ex experience these feelings, I I have no other way to express. I find like artwork is my outlet, mm. and so say for example I just recently did a piece um it, it's it's sitting here in my art room but um and it was a way for me to express my anger I was feeling some anger and not knowing how to express it um it's anger is something that is a feeling that I don't think many people uh you know learn to properly express um or normalize as a feeling because sometimes we could suppress it so much and internalize it and it doesn't go anywhere and it just stays in us then it and we then we feel a lot more uncomfortable so then my way of you know letting that out was through this art piece and somehow like <laughs> I was expecting like when I put the canvas out I was like this is going to be an interesting piece or might not be as pretty or you know because it's based off of anger but it turned out to be actually beautiful <laughs> so it's it's interesting like expressing through art is very very positive I find mm -hmm. interesting timing for me this conversation um I was just doing some research and writing a paper actually on the Jungian concept of the third space and I'm not sure if, if you have kind of a equivalent concept but it's this idea of the space that exists between kind of our unconscious and the conscious and through this space, we can allow ourselves to experience emotions that might have otherwise been really difficult to express. Mm. And the way to kind of access this space is, is through art, right? Mm. And through play and through um, even movement with our bodies, right? Like these kind of creative approaches to, to healing. You know, art is such a powerful medium to experience and express things that otherwise we feel or have a really difficult time with, right? Makes it kind of mm -hmm, for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like with with the painting that I recently did, it's it felt more like you know hands on and um and, and it depends. I find sometimes I need to you know let out the emotion through my voice, so then singing becomes a part yeah. a part of 
hmm. letting that you know that feeling go so yeah it's 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 very it's 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 definitely it has worked for me and i'm sure that it it does for other people and we're not as aware of it even though we're constantly doing it you know like it's um but it's it's interesting to put it in that context and be more self, like self-aware while we're doing it and how how it it is so impactful yeah. and a lot of artists will say that you know the times when they're most creative is when they're struggling in whatever way whatever the emotions are whether it's grief or loss often that's part of it that's mm -hmm. the way that lots of people struggle lots of us struggle and and when things are going well sometimes it's harder to create although that's I'm I, I don't produce art the way you do I'm, I'm creative in different ways but I think that's true in the writing I do or even the things I want to take on you know at, at certain times depending on how I'm feeling but I I really love creative responses to things that are are really tough, as you described, you know, the epidemic mm -hmm. of suicide and mm -hmm. loss and community connection and disconnection. And that's that's really powerful, Nancy, and I think so important, hey? Mm -hmm, for sure. And like you say, when when I'm feeling more happy, I find sewing is something that I do better. Uh, it's I think that when I'm happy, I tend to be more precise in something I'm trying to perfect or something that needs to kind of have a better, um, how would I word it? <laughs> something that needs a bit more details or um, that are very precise. Um, I think that when I'm happy, I tend to do that better. If I if I am unhappy and I try to sew, it's never gonna mm. be completed. Like I find that's that's something that happens when I'm either doing art or sewing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I make that distinction. I see sewing as art for sure, but certain times, yeah, I I don't think I've actually thought about the ways I'm creative and how sometimes some things maybe cooking. I'm really creative when I cook, and and so perhaps when I'm feeling better it's much easier to contemplate that or to take on a challenge or to, you know, I would get much more frustrated if I'm cooking and I'm in a really bad mood or something. Yeah. I wouldn't even be cooking if I, it was a big thing, but yeah, it's, uh, that's a lot for me to think about. I'm going to think about that and how, you know, the different responses for sure. For sure. Oh, I, I really appreciate all that you said there. There's, there's a lot. And I agree that certainly we're living here in the South and, you know, we may have connections or, you know, um, feelings real connections and understandings about <coughs> excuse me about Nunavut but really um as you describe I don't think it's I don't think we can sit in your shoes and understand what that is like and so I I'm I'm really happy to hear that you're making art as a response and I think the world needs more art and expression of um of grief and loss through art I think that's really important because as you do that and you share that with the world it allows other people to experience that peace mm -hmm. and and maybe connect with some of those really difficult things themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, being from Nunavut and being having been raised by Inuit, who you know, more recently were colonized, so our way of living was definitely not you know, it's very unique, I would say, and being in a harsh environment like survival has always been a part of our life and and being able to 
I think that in a culture, I find it's a lot like Buddhism or like, you know, when, when people talk of yoga, for example, as a way of healing, I find, you know, the, the essential parts of having, you know, being able to live in a harsh environment, you have to have some patience or uh, have to be able to control your emotions and, and, and not, you know, focus on anger all the time, or, you know, we, you, you won't see an Inuk having a temper tantrum, for example, mm-hmm. um, in, in, you know, yelling and uh, boasting or like, you know, expressing that way. Um, because when you're in a cold environment, if, if you're, you know, yelling or that sort of thing, expressing anger, like in, in a way, I find you're, you're using up energy that could be conserved in, you know, whether it's staying warm, um, surviving, uh, that sort of thing. And so I think Inuit culture, that's a one tiny, you know, small example of uh, what sort of skills are ingrained in us as, as Inuit because of our, not only our environment, but our culture and how, how our lifestyle is. I think that healing and surviving and living has always been something that you know know how to master (laughs) Mm -hmm. and one reason why like I I absolutely love um, you know healing or health related anything through art or whether it's in my job as as a research associate uh, working with community members it's it's something that my parents definitely you know instilled in me as well and my grandmother my late grandmother my mother's on my mother's side she was a midwife and so a lot of my interest in you know child rearing or you know labor and delivery that sort of thing or healing uh come from my mom's side for sure and i i think that um that's something i've always been interested in and it's it's led me to do a lot of interesting work um especially like through art like I was saying but it's it's all very interesting (laughs) I I, thank you for sharing that example about um Inuit and how you know in surviving the cold you've also it some of those the ways you've had to adapt and and get through those times have actually been parts or rich parts of your culture and and ways that you interact with you know a wide range of emotions but that's uh, in healing particularly or even just the connections with buddhism and how i can't think of something i can't think of anything more mindful than somebody waiting for a seal at a hole right you have to be so mm-hmm. patient and quiet and still and you can't let you or any hunting for that matter you can't let your emotions run away with you or things don't go well hey mm-hmm. it's very interesting like i didn't as a woman my father didn't take me hunting as much as, you know, say my brothers. Um, and there was one time I did go with him and he had a bad knee at the time. And we really wanted to go caribou hunting, but he wasn't able to hike too far. So I was like, I'll take the rifle and go up, you know, over the mountain and see if there's any, you know, I was feeling confident at that time. And then I started hiking by myself and while my dad waited at our where we were camping and as as I started hiking and I couldn't see my dad anymore I was like oh my god like 
I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It was like, as if, you know, my mind wasn't strong enough to be alone in an environment that could easily change, you know, in a, in a, you know, split second. And I, I kept imagining, you know, a polar bear popping up or, you know, something dangerous mm-hmm. and that wouldn't allow me to stay calm. I, I just couldn't, I had to turn back around and tell my dad, you know, I can't, <laughs> I'm not experienced enough to do this. And so that was a very interesting learning experience for me because it made me realize how like it, it, it is important for my father to teach my brothers at, a, at such a young age uh, in order for them to become hunters and survive the harsh environments or something that dr- drastically changes whether it's the weather or you know polar bears for example being danger to to humans I think like it takes a lot of skill I, I was so impressed that they like how my brothers at such a young age would do what I was trying to do um, but I didn't have the capacity or the experience to be able to do it Hmm. Yeah, you did have enough insight to go, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm concerned. And, I, you know, so there's, you know, that that speaks a lot to, to who you were at that mm-hmm. time, too. But certainly, yeah, really important, right, to, to learn those skills. As you say, there's so much involved in, in hunting and, and to be able to learn those skills from a young age, because our, as we get older, our mind starts, you know, running away on us sometimes, and it gets in the way of lots of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, such great. um, I'm really appreciating the stuff you're sharing. This is, this is great. And so you've alluded and you talked a little bit about it when you talked about the sexual health work you do. Where do the, where, where does art and health and science intersect for you? Because you've, you know, you've done this training in nursing, you're doing research. How much of it is yeah, where do they intersect? It sounds like there's, you know, the research you do is, is informed by Inuit knowledge where do where does western science come in does it do you challenge that that's a really big question but I want to talk about that a little bit yeah like through Kaigartit Health Research Center um, we do research based around you know Inuit Inuit knowledge or societal values uh, but also using western sciences um, and so for example um, one of one of the projects that I oversee is called the Inuit Child Rearing Program, where we um, do, say, one of them is like a five-day training where we have 10 to 15 people coming in to take the training, and we teach um, different Inuit parenting styles um, or ways of parenting, uh, but also a lot of it is through storytelling and we teach the Inuit societal values uh, through it. Uh, and some of it uh, is also, you know, developmental stages is one of them where Inuit used more of the Western style of, you know, the, the developmental stages, but incorporated Inuit knowledge onto it. So uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting program because it not only is for you know, parents and families, but we have social workers coming in to take the training just because, you know, it, it teaches you a lot about um, how to communicate with Inuit 
in, in ways that is more effective or um, it also allows people to do programming in their workplaces that is more culturally relevant. So I think that our ways of integrating, you know, the, the two different ways of doing um, comes in handy because, you know, we're trying to live a modern, more of a Western lifestyle, but also are very traditional in, or utilize innate culture. So it, when we put those two together, it always works well, I find, um, and we get a lot of good, good um, feedback or, mm. you know, positive feedback from community members who have taken the Inuwina program. And then through that, um, my, my job is to also evaluate the, the program. So I, I reach out to people who have taken the training and who are implementing the programming in their workplace um, to see how it's going and uh, that sort of thing. And so sometimes we'll do more of a, not in, I guess, informal, um, like interview to see to see how everything is and and it's not usually you know it's not the kind of interview that you'd have with like stats canada for example it's it's, it's a lot more storytelling based and so a lot of our i guess teaching and information sharing is often through storytelling oh, very cool i bet you have really good conversations with folks in organizations in terms of how the training has impacted their work, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we we are hoping to work with like the, the shelters throughout Nunavut, um, implementing that into, into their space and, and hoping that, you know, families can gain skills through that. Uh, I find it's very, it, it, it's a very beneficial like it, it's hard to put in words but once you're in it it's it's a really um awesome and beautiful program mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i love how um storytelling is incorporated into that because that's such an important part of of uh, you've been storytelling the whole time almost today like there's and it's an important <laughs> piece of not only you know how how you live your life but also um yeah in, challenging that Western colonial model of what research looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Sure. What, um, what, what, aside from, you know, applying the stuff in different sectors, what do you guys do with the research? So you, you when you, when you've evaluated something, do you guys, like, does it inform government policy? Does it, what, where does it go? Or does it just inform kind of programming? I think that what we do is more action-based. So when we do research, it comes out in action. Um, so for example, um, one of the projects that my colleague oversees is called the Magimautik Set Program, which is a youth empowerment, um, I guess, skill building program. Mm. And that came about uh, because of research that was being done and they figured, you know, there's a need for youth and to have youth like wanting more, like the community wanted more youth to have something 
that would allow them to expand their knowledge or their skills. And so this program was developed uh, through the research that was done uh, as, an, as the action item. So, so these projects that we do are basically based off of what the community needs are, uh, which have been identified through community health research. That's cool. That's, that's the kind of research that I love because often, I mean, not that other research isn't valuable, the stuff that informs policy and stuff, but sometimes it get lo that gets lost in bureaucracy. I love the action-based stuff because you can see the fruits of the labor often, right? And it, just as you describe the example, that must be way more satisfying than being stuck in a bureaucratic chain of, you know, you know, what happens in government. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wish we could, you know, have more impact on, you know, the government because of other things, but <laughs> this work we do is very, very satisfying for sure. Oh, wonderful. That's, that's, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I know you talked about it earlier, just about singing and a response when things come up in your body. You sing, do you still play music, Nancy? I do like mostly just at home. Um, yeah. I was just playing accordion yesterday, trying to learn some Christmas tunes oh, fun, <laughs> before Christmas. Fun, fun. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, and occasionally I'll have, you know, people come to me asking me to do, say, like the last project I had done with was with the hallucination, ah. formerly known as a tribe called Red. Yeah. Uh, they do like dance, like techno music and so I incorporated into one of their you know more upbeat tunes and did some throat singing and some singing so it's it's been really interesting different shift from you know playing live on stage with a band so it's 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 been good just not a lot <laughs> just you know little bits of it here and there well you're busy with your work and your kids you've got a pretty full full you know, full schedule, I imagine. Um, the accordion strikes me as a really tough instrument to play. <laughs> it is mm -hmm. tough. Um, it takes a lot of practice, for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how about your kids? Are you teaching them how to play? I guess it's hard because it's a big, you can probably get ones for kids, I'm not sure. They do. I've given them, you know, the kids sizes, but they're not at that age yet to be picking it up, but hopefully at least one of them <laughs> when they're older. Yeah, they're, they're definitely into music now, though. They they go into, you know, piano lessons and choir and they have music after school programs. So of course. they've been in they've been into music since they were in my belly. Of course, of course. And are they are they creative like you are in lots of ways? Do they look over your shoulder and learn like you probably did from your family? Yeah, like they're they're each, you know, they have their own unique ways mm -hmm. and oldest one Vivi, she's very much like me, so she does a lot more hands-on stuff. She has an art piece here that she's working on. Oh, cool. And and then my second child, Levi, she's more of a techie girl where she, you know, well, she can figure out any computer skills or, and I, I always imagined her as being a DJ one day because she, <laughs> she loves hands-on. Yeah, yeah, cool. She'll do hands-on work and, but she's very smart in the way she um, handles 
technology, I think. Mm -hmm. Every household. The youngest somebody. one, she's. I'm sorry, I was going to say every household needs somebody who's techie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And our youngest one, Anakul, she's she's almost four, and she's she's so funny. She's still like figuring out her creative side, but humor is something that she's mastering lately. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. I love I love kid kid humor, but I think humor as a we didn't even talk about humor as a response or laughter and just that connection that comes from sharing those experiences as a response to grief and loss or stress or yeah that's I'm glad that you have her. Keep it all real. <laughs> all real for sure. Nancy, what does wellness mean to you? I think that wellness for me, I've always looked at wellness as a holistic thing. Um, like everything has a has some sort of spirit, uh, whether it's you know an animal, or us as human beings, things that we carry with us, um, and I think that when when i think about wellness in terms of say family um i often it i don't think about myself only but think of my siblings or parents or community members to be you know i want them to be well uh whether you know it's physic physical uh spiritual or in the mind that sort of thing and it, it's a it's a definitely a holistic view of what I think wellness looks like. Uh, you need to find balance in in each of those things uh, in order to, you know, have that sense of you know good health or good good feeling that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so important that holistic piece for sure, and holistic not only as you say within yourself but within the people you describe as family or community, that's, mm -hmm. that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that mm -hmm. description for sure, for sure. Oh, there's so many places we could dive deeper. And I just, I, I'm so thankful that, that we've had this conversation. And yeah, I, I'm really taking away the idea. Um, I'm thinking about creativity as a, as a response to, to struggle or as a response to grief. That's, that's something that I needed to hear today. So thank you. And I think that that our listeners, our listeners will appreciate that because you, you know, it gives people permission to, mm -hmm. to try that as a form of, of healing themselves. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your time today. We really appreciate you joining us and um, we hope that you stay well and we hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. Bend the Podcast is a production of Bend Wellness. For more information, check out our website, bendwellness.org. Thanks for listening.